So it's a low context relationship between them and also internally inside both of them. Right. And also, fascinatingly, with Walt Whitman. Right. The- yeah. Old Witty. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back, everyone, to No Script, an unscripted conversation about theater's best scripts. I am Jackson Nikolai. I am Jacob Mann Christensen. We are delighted, as we always are, to be bringing you another unscripted conversation about theater's best scripts. I just repeated the catchphrase. I was intending to say something else, but like muscle memory took over, and I, I just right, hopped right, right, right into that same catchphrase. No, we're, it we're very like you excited. Got, you gotta say it. Yeah, I gotta yeah. say it multiple times. <laughs> times so that the branding works right that's what they absolutely got to hit the branding. well we're we're very excited <laughs> we always are it is another week it's another script it's another conversation i hope you're excited for this one and this week the playwright is a really prolific american playwright for us to have not come to yet uh that's probably <laughs> yeah. a, that's probably a miss on our parts but we're here <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> she is America's most produced playwright as of this year and has held that title for how long again, Jacob? Yeah, it's, it's like four like years. If you look at like the last four years, 2016 to today, although, you know, there's not a lot of productions happening now, but before Corona, she was America's most produced playwright. And then two individual years in that time frame. 2017 and 2019, she was the top playwright for that specific year, and then as an average over all of them. Of course, we are talking about Lauren Gunderson, the prolific American writer. And we will be talking about her play, I and You, which was a play originally produced in 2014 and has since had a couple different showings. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to get to be able to talk about it. I, first time reading I and You, and I, I'm 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 like stoked again, too. I've, I've said that twice in a row now, but I'm, I'm really excited to get to talk about this play. Yeah, it's interesting because, like we just said, Lauren Gunderson's got this this uh, honor to her that she's the most produced player in America, setting aside Shakespeare. And if you go back and look at like the 2019-2020 American theater season, which is one of the years she won, of the top 10 plays that were produced, she does not have a play on that list. And in some ways, that's that's a little odd. But in, in other ways, I think it is a real testament to how strong her whole library is because it's not like she won that award that year because she put out some insanely popular play that got a bunch of productions like Lucas Nath's uh, Doll's House Part 2 that's on that list like it just you know that kind of one shot really awesome play The Great Leap which we talked about last week that is on that list so these plays that just sort of threw themselves into popularity and got a ton of productions that helped to catapult that playwright up there. But Gunderson is the most produced player in America, setting aside Shakespeare, because the whole body of her work is so strong and so commonly produced that all together they get her up past all these other playwrights, even despite the fact that she was not among the most 10 produced plays in America. Yeah, they're very accessible plays. They're plays that regional houses can do. They're plays that 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 uh, have strong female roles in them. So they're they're plays that are sought after and often produced for for the the value of the way they were written. So so I'm excited to finally get to talk about her. Yeah, and you may have heard of her plays like uh, the Half Life of Maria Curie. That's a very popular play. Play uh, Exit Pursued by a Bear is another play that a lot of people recognize of hers. Of course, I and You Today. Peter Pan and Wendy. So there are plays that you may recognize the titles of, even if you didn't know that they were all associated with the same playwright, Lauren Gunderson. Before we get into the full conversation around this play, which we're, we're, we're super excited for, we do have a bit of business at the top of the show, and that is that we are previewing, or not previewing, we are uh, announcing uh, our cup, upcoming themed month, which uh, those of you who are longtime listeners of the show know that each season we do a themed month, and this year or season is no different. We are doing monologue month as our themed month. Yeah, so you, we've heard us for a couple of episodes now dance around and describe why we're calling it monologue <laughs> Equivocating month. Equivocating and all that You know business. what? It, that's what it's called. <laughs> it is a month of one-person shows, 
and we're really excited for that. That's a really different form for this conversation or for these conversations, this podcast. That I think it's going to be a really cool month to look at four insanely good one-person shows. That's going to be in October. So we've got just a couple of weeks until it begins, and then we'll do four plays in October, monologue month. I hope you are planning to join us for that. Yes, yeah, it's gonna be a, a good time. We got a, a good time. We got a bunch of uh, good good plays lined up for you. Some really good rich plays. So uh, keep an eye out for for them to buy ahead of time, and you'll be good to go for that themed month. And, and if you like what we're doing on this podcast, if you like the fact that we do themed months, that we have special guests, that we try to do a diversity of plays, that we're constantly having conversations about scripts that are in the lexicon, if if that's the kind of stuff that you appreciate. We would really appreciate it if you would head on over to patreon.com slash podcast. Over on patreon.com slash podcast, you can become a patron, a supporter of the show. We've got great patrons already. They are helping to fund these weekly productions that we are doing. We love to do this, but it is not a free thing to for us to do. It's we, There is money associated with hosting the podcast. There's money associated with advertising certain parts of the podcast. There's money associated with buying the scripts that we can't find access to in our local libraries or borrow for a friend or something. There's a huge time investment. We're producing a weekly hour-long podcast. So there's a lot that goes into it, and those of you who are patrons are helping to support that. So thank you so, so much for that. Really, the podcast could not currently be alive without the support of patrons. So that's a huge thank you to you all. If you're not a patron yet, really, really hope you'll consider it. Uh, you can go over to patreon.com slash podcast. You can choose a monthly level. There's different tiers. The lowest tier is just $1 a month, ends up totaling $12 a year. That is hugely beneficial to us. And at any of the tiers that you choose to join that go up from there, you become a patron, an official patron, which means you get access to our patron-only posts on Patreon. That's where we post stuff like reflections on other pieces of art that Jackson and I have found that, that are interesting and engaging to us, as well as, of course, you get the first look at what scripts are coming up on the show. Everybody else gets to know the Wednesday before an episode releases, but you get to know far in advance of that. So, Really hope you'll go on over there. The biggest thing is just that we need your support to make the podcast happen. So please consider it patreon.com slash no script podcast. Yes, thank you. Thank you truly from the bottom of our hearts to all of our patrons over there. And thank you for all heading over to patreon.com slash no script podcast and checking that out. We'll see you over there. And now back to the script. Back to the script. I have the context for today, and the context is fairly short. Most of the context is the fact that it's written by Lauren Gunderson, um, <laughs> who, who, as we have already stated, is America's most uh, produced playwright right now and terrific playwright. Um, the, the, the play itself, uh, I and You, has received uh, one UK premiere. Um, and that was in 2018. I misspoke earlier. The play was uh, written in 2014 and was submitted for a number of awards and won a bunch of awards, the Steinberg ATCA New Play Award and was a finalist for the Susan Smith Blackburn Prize. Um, so, so it's been around since 2014, but the UK premiere in 2018 was its, I believe, its kind of official premiere. And that was at the Hampstead Theater in Interesting October. Interesting note that about that production. When quarantine started, and I think I've got the, it, it was long enough ago that's a little bit fuzzy to me exactly when I watched it, but I think it was right about when quarantine started and theaters were putting out digital productions of stuff they had already done. The Hampstead Theater put out their video production of this play, and I watched it, and it was very interesting, and it had uh, Maisie Williams in it, uh, of course, but what was interesting about it was that they put it out on Instagram TV. That's where really? I watched it, and the whole thing was shot, or at least presented, in portrait mode. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I wow. watched the whole 90-minute play, whatever it was, in portrait mode on my phone. <laughs> it wasn't even just like I'd turn my phone that way. Like, I turned my phone to landscape, and it was still in portrait Still mode. in portrait. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it's probably appropriate for this play, I guess. Very <laughs> odd experience. <laughs> 
yeah, well, I, I wish I had caught that. I missed that, 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 that it was going on. And that sounds like a great show to watch, even if it was in portrait mode. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, as, as Jacob mentioned, uh, Maisie Williams uh, played the, the uh, lead female in the play. Maisie Williams, of course, of uh, Game of Thrones fame as Arya Stark and uh, more pro- pro- projects since then as well. Um, and yeah, so that production ran in 2018. Um, and that's that's kind of the only one that I have on my list of, of, of famous productions. And yet, when you go on YouTube, you can find many houses do this play. It's a two-hander. It's a two-hander for high schoolers. And it's a two-hander for high schoolers, which the playwright specifies in the beginning, you can change all the swear words to something more palatable. Yeah, this is isn't a- that awesome? <laughs> that is such a, a, what a gift from a playwright yeah. to not ha- to not force anybody to stress about that. I mean, cutting swear words for high school productions is a very common thing and theoretically you're not supposed to do it, but high schools do it, of course, and I don't think anybody bothers them about it. But it's just so nice for a playwright mm-hmm. to to understand that because of what the play is, schools are going to want to do it and they're going to need to cut the swear words. And so she just says, "That's fine." Here's what yeah. you can do. She gives you some suggestions about how to replace the words at the beginning of the script. Well done, Lauren Gunderson. Well yeah. done. Yeah, that's. The, I imagine that is part of why this this play is produced so often. Is that high high school productions can grab onto it and have the freedom and and like you said, just the lack of stress, the one less email that they have to send like three times to <laughs> to a company to try to be sure that they're following the law or the stress of of like just changing them and moving on. So. Yeah, there the, you go. The, There's uh, your the regional professional house where I live down in Arkansas, Theater Squared, they did this production as part of the craze of regional professional houses doing this production across the country. Um, I didn't actually get to see it. I, I wish that I had. I didn't know anything about the script at the time. Now that I do, I, I would have liked to have seen that production, but um, it, that did play down here and many other places in the country. As Jackson said, you YouTube it and you see uh, just version after version after version after version, Not not the full play of course, but clips from them all across the internet. Um, Jackson teased, too, that this is a two-hander about high schoolers. Anthony, 17, Caroline, 17. They are seniors in high school. And the premise is that Caroline is ill. She has some sort of lifelong disease which affects her liver and has recently become so serious that she's not even able to go to school anymore. Her home has become sort of a mini medical clinic, although Gunderson gives what I think is some really smart direction from the playwright at the beginning of the show that the room should not feel like it's full of medical supplies. She she has kept her room to be her room. The bed is not at like a, a bed. Bed, uh, like a hospital bed there's not like an IV bag you know it's it's a it's a high school girl's room maybe with the addition of things like medicines and, and things like that that you might see and so she's she's stuck at home the whole play takes place in her bedroom uh, Anthony uh, a stu- another student who is a stranger to her at the beginning of the play uh, appears in her doorway. In fact, the first, first beat of the play is in media res. He's already in the room. And he's shown up sort of out of the blue, surprisingly, because he and her are supposed to work together on an American Lit project, a poetry project presentation about Walt Whitman, the other WW, not Walter White. Uh, Walt Whitman, and they are—they need to work on it that night and get the whole thing done. In fact, because as Anthony reveals, he's uh, put it off a little bit, and it is <laughs> due tomorrow morning. Um, <laughs> that's the basic premise of the play. Now, w- what occurs over the course of the play is the conflict between these two very different characters, as well as the affection that slowly grows between them. Caroline is um, sarcastic, uh, a little bit closed off, uh, as you can imagine, given the situation that she's in. Um, a- and Anthony is sort of exuberantly passionate about different things. Um, he is also reeling a little bit because of a story he tells about a student who died in a basketball game just before he came over. He, he does play basketball. They get to know each other. They get to know Walt Whitman's poetry. They negotiate the things that are going on in their lives, the hard things, the the good things. They get to know, you know, they, they build a uh, the semblance of a friendship. In fact, very near the end of the play, Caroline laments that they'd never met before this and how she wants him to keep coming over. Uh, really touching, really nice conversations, working through things. And then you reach the end of the play. 
And major spoiler alert, we, I mean, we, we never hesitate to spoil things on this podcast because it doesn't make sense yep. given what we're doing to try to hide spoilers. So if you haven't read it yet and you want to, this is, this is a good time to stop. Um, <laughs> at the end of the play, it is revealed that the, the, the conversation, the whole evening experience has been a, I guess, a supernatural one. Um, Anthony is not really in the room. He, he reveals to her. In fact, he's dead. He was the student who died at the basketball game. Um, and because they were able to, I guess, take care of that rather quickly, and he was an organ donor, or I don't know how it works for minors, I guess, but all that to say, uh, Caroline has been on a donor list for a new liver for a while, and there's whatever matching needs to occur has happened, and so they are actually both in surgery. Well, Caroline is, I guess, Anthony's dead, but the, Caroline is in surgery it, during the course of the play, receiving this transplanted liver from Anthony, who's passed, and he says that he he wanted to meet her. The, the girl who's going to receive his liver. And the very final beat of the play is Caroline waking up in out of surgery um, with, with Anthony's liver that's going to change her life, uh, that's going to make her well, in theory. That yeah. is I and you. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean... What a turn at the end of the play. You know, you go the you go the whole play uh believing that they're having this conversation and and <laughs> and they they are in a sense. Like there is some I think I think a, a level of the play that is cool is that they kind of are in the same room together. Just happens to be that the same room is is Caroline. Yeah, so and- <laughs> I, I want to read you from Lauren Gunderson. She's she's got a lot of really great notes in this script, but yeah, at the yeah. end of the play, there's a couple of notes about questions that production teams might have and things like that. I just want to read you the question and answer that she gives about this idea of the play being a supernatural experience or in surgery or something. This is what she says. Um, it's it's in her after the script notes after the end a few truths. The entire te- play takes place while Caroline is under anesthesia during her transplant operation. In the realist reality of Caroline's life, the events of I and You are a kind of dream that she experiences while in surgery. I like to think of it as a dream that she and Anthony are sharing while they are connected in the most vital and visceral way. So I. <sighs> I don't think that we are meant in any way to assume that the events of the play didn't happen, that they Mm -hmm. are some sort of uh, surgery-induced hallucination on Caroline's part. I don't think that is a a fair description of what goes on here. It is more supernatural than that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's it it asks you to believe that this could happen, I think. Um to 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 the point that like e- even in those same show notes, I agree. It's so cool to have those like after notes of she suggests that maybe per- perhaps Caroline hears songs that Anthony brought up later on in life and is like, "Why why, why do I like that song so much?" Um and so it, it really is just an interesting creative exercise in what it's like to receive a part of someone as as yourself into yourself and then live life essentially together for the rest of life. Yeah, I mean the the play is really the story of these two strangers coming together and sort of learning what they share and if it had been real in the sense that they're both still alive and this just actually happened in their lives um you you might imagine that they might start dating or uh at the very least uh, have a, a very serious friendship in fact at the end of act one uh lauren gunderson says this is the beginning of their love story mm-hmm. um so you, you'd imagine that that kind of thing is occurring it, it's not really a meet cute play in the sense of it being a, sh- a sort of a shallow first meeting, set up a date kind of play. It's really more about their souls gathering together in the midst of all the crisis that goes on around high school students. And then, of course, at the end of the play, you learn that that has happened to their to their their sense of self, their personas, and their bodies are coming together. Um, not in any weird sense, but in the sense that Anthony's liver is literally going into her body to right, keep her alive. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, it's 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 a fascinating fascinating uh uh book market or book ending of the play because it just like it turns everything on its head and re- makes you look at the whole play differently. That being said, the like first three fourths, maybe even like seven eighths of the play is just a, a a little high school play with some huge themes into them, right? Like these two high school characters are working on a school project. She has to stay home. Caroline has to stay home because she's so sick um, that she, she, I mean, this is, this is a familiar theme to us right now, right? Like people who are um, high risk needing to stay home because of the fear of, of sickness out there that they could contract. So Caroline is staying home and Anthony decides to, pick her as a partner for this project then forgets about it for for like maybe a month um so so it's like it, it is like um a very identifiable at least play of of these two characters just kind of working through high school and also a fairly I, I don't think the end of the play affects Caroline's um weight for her condition at all because her her story stays true through the end of the play. It's Anthony's that we start to question about the metaphysical reality of his of his of his reality. Yeah, in in so many ways, it's a play about these high school students trying to grapple with their notions of death. I mean, yeah. I mean, that, and that that sounds harsh, but the play is this very funny, sarcastic, very high personality, high engagement sort of way of watching these high schoolers do it. But of course, Caroline is uh, in the in the first, you know, seven eighths or whatever of the play that you think you're watching is eminently facing down the possibility of her own death. I mean, she's now so sick that if she doesn't get this transplant, death is a very real possibility for herself. And mm-hmm. Anthony, again, in, in what we think is going on, comes into <laughs> this room uh, having just witnessed, not really, but what we think is happening, a classmate die, a, a, a teammate, a basketball player, a teammate die in front of him. That's what we think mm-hmm. is happening. Then, of course, later we realize he's actually grappling with the fact that he died. Yeah. It was him yep. that died. Mm-hmm. And they're both finding new language for it in this project and in interaction with each other. Um, we, we've talked about like uh, uh, high context uh, plays quite a bit recently. We've talked about the, the high context conversation between characters. This is a low context play. Neither of them really fully understand each other at the beginning. Neither of them understand each other at the beginning. Or frankly Much of themselves. The pl- I mean, right. they're, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. at the, I think Gunderson has done... Uh, a really good job capturing the way that high school students in every encounter and in every sentence, I work with high school students a lot where I am, they're constantly negotiating their own sense of self along with the sense of whatever conversation they're having and the encounters with other people. And and so it's a low context relationship between them and also internally inside both of them. Right. And also, fascinatingly, with Walt Whitman. Right. The, yeah. Old Witty. Yeah. yeah. So like, part part of the play is Whitman giving them words for what they're going through in their lives and and how they it's yeah, it's just the ability of them to especially Caroline, who walks into today. Anthony, maybe you could say, is wrestling with Whitman because he's been thinking about him for a while. And so he's viewed today's. Um, uh, tragedy as as uh, synonymous with Whitman, but Caroline learns of him essentially today, the day of the play, and over the course of like maybe maybe six hours, falls in love with Whitman and and the ability of Whitman to speak into her spe- specific situation. Yeah, I mean the opening line of the play is the famous Whitman, "I and this mystery here we stand." Now, yeah, that's a. That's a powerful opening line, and Gunderson does what she does so many times during this play. It actually becomes sort of a convention of the the conversations, is that a character will say something that is meaningful and full of 
all of the things you want a line to be full of gravitas, uh, uh, deep, uh, potentially life altering implications. I in this mystery, here we stand. And then she allows the these two characters to be uncomfortable with the gravitas, the tension of what was just said, and change the direction of the scene very quickly. And just the very beginning of this play is, is the example of that, right? I mean, Anthony is in the doorway first time he quotes this line from Whitman's poetry and the conversation explodes in frantic energy as we as the audience realizes Caroline has no idea who this is why he's in her room uh yeah he she Gunderson suggests that maybe she's brandishing a hairbrush at him or I've seen productions where she's brandishing like scissors at him I mean high energy (laughs) who the crap are you why are you in my room Anthony's trying to explain they're both awkward high energy conversationalists it moves Mm -hmm. away from the power of the poetry very quickly and then slips back into it later on and that's and that's their relationship too then that their relationship moves towards connection and then both of them kind of split off in different directions for a little while and and have to disengage and reengage and and figure out how to it's my mind is blowing up right now because you're, you're figuring out how to like have this interpersonal relationship with each other, and also their bodies are trying to identify with each other in the surgery that's happening. So, yeah, it's, yeah, just, it's a fascinating. And, you know, Gunderson in, in her end of show notes too talks about the the way that the play is not just happening during surgery the transplant operation, but actually is a metaphor for the transplant operation itself. Uh, yeah. This this foreign object, in this case Anthony, or in the real world, Anthony's liver, is yep. inserted in uh, into her room to have this uh, homework conversation in the world of the play, uh, the liver into her the spot where her liver used to be in the world of the transplant operation. And... Transplant operations are hairy. She rejects him right away, tries to force him out. He stays in, begins to build relationship with the world around him. At one point, things go very south with her health in the world of the play, and I would imagine in the world of the transplant operation too, but that is slowly worked back up until by the end, they are really one being, one one thing that is going to go forth into the world you know, as a healthy teenage girl now in the case of Caroline. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a fascinating blend of the two because it's addressing both the issue of it's, it's addressing the life of people who have chronic illnesses, who, who have to stay home and how, how she is processing that in real time while, while, um, the, 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 the fix or the solve or her way out is on the way. So, so it's just, it's both of those things flying side by side, and it makes I mean it makes a rewatch of the play just fascinating. <laughs> oh, <laughs> to, yeah, to, the, the yeah. re-experience of the play once you know the end is as it as it has to be. It's just a totally different experience. Um, th- there's lots of stories out there where there's a big twist at the end, of course. Um, you know, recently movies like Arrival, like the whole experience of the story is about the twist. It's about setting up the twist and then paying off the twist with what you've experienced already in this play. I am, I'm not sure how much that is true about this play. I'm just not sure how much what happens in the final eight pages is set up in a, in that way by Lauren Gunderson. It, it, and what I mean by that, I think, is this is not the kind of twist experience that she's hoping you catch on to early. Right. I agree. Yeah, there aren't like... there are So there are clues, but they're ones that are completely, completely hidden. Right. You like, only catch them once you already knew. I mean, she's yeah. written the first two-thirds, three-fourths, whatever of the play in a way that it it makes sense to hear what mm-hmm. you hear, given what you know about the end of the play, but not full of little clues and hoping somebody, oh, oh I get it, oh, I know what's about to happen. I don't think right, that's what right. this play is about. 
I agree. No, it's about it's about the relationship between these two. I think the only the only piece that I um, kind of in the, in the rethinking over the play thought of as as possibly a clue is the fact that the mother just never comes upstairs. <laughs> right. So there's weird yeah. things like that. Right. Is that, um, for example, Caroline's Internet, which is her lifeline to the rest of the world does not work over the course of the play. She tries a couple of times to connect with the outs, the world outside of her bedroom or in the real world, you know, her surgery, several times and is unable to. She's unable to post something to Twitter. She's unable to Google something, uh, et cetera. So there's that little sort of, you know, if you don't know the end of the play, it's it's not it's not like it's a not clue. weird at all, right? It's yeah. not weird. Yeah. Or it's down or whatever. Once you know the end of the play, you realize, oh, it's because. She's in this dreamlike supernatural world. There, there's not internet there, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, <laughs> and then like you just mentioned, Jackson, there's this offstage mother character who, in I guess normal life, is enters and exits her room all the time. She's she like brings Caroline stuff all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and and there's the the, the beats that the beats that really kind of name it are. Um, Caroline offers Anthony a drink or a Coke or something. And he says, yeah, I'll just run downstairs and get it. And she's like, no, 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 I'll get my mom to do it. This is how we do this here. I call mom to do it. And she brings it up. Um, and the mom never appears with a Coke. And it comes up, it comes up once or twice uh, more after, after that initial instance that the, where is the Coke already? Where did she go? And she calls downstairs occasionally for, for her mom who doesn't, who doesn't come up. So, so there, I, I agree though with your assessment. This is not a, um, it's not like a magic trick that the 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 playwright is is trying to let you in on and tip the hat or something like that. It's it's about the relationship of these two people and then also the given circumstances are completely different than we think they are um at the beginning of the play. And so I feel like before the revelation of this being all surgery and Anthony really being dead and all of that I feel like if I if I just consider the play before that moment, I could do a reasonably good job of articulating the individual characters' goals, uh, what what happens in the course of the play, and what changes about them, the journey that they're on, why this play this night, you know, what is going to happen that has changed the direction of their lives. That I, I think I could do a reasonably good job writing a nice little essay for intro to theater or whatever about right. that, right? But Given the context of the whole play, I, I I find those questions a little bit harder to answer. It is it is hard to like carry the two storylines along in your in your head because the uh, as as you said the first seven eighths is this pretty delightful little play <laughs> of these two kids working on on a project together um, of of the goals of of Anthony trying to process what just happened to him at the game and 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 processing that through poetry of Caroline finding new language to process her her situation with with her illness through the poetry of Walt Whitman and these two people being drawn closer together over that. I mean, that's a great play. I would watch that play. The fact is there's another play happening the whole time. And so it raises the question, given the whole play, what is the journey of these characters? I mean, Anthony's is the one that is most, most different than we think. Right. Because prior to the revelation that he's actually dead and all that, he's this teenage boy. He's he you know, he needs to process the death, as you said, of the student on the basketball court. He's trying to build like a a real relationship with someone. He wants to convince her of the, the valid the validity of this poetry. He needs to get his project done. He wants to you know, he says that he was curious about her to see if she would get what is going on in this poetry like he does all this stuff that is not true oh i don't i don't know i think i think i i think if you like think think of uh, you got to accept a, like a a, a post life right so if you accept a post life right um, yeah i mean life after death is the reality of this play right <laughs> there's right. really no way around that <laughs> yeah if you accept that post life i think all of that is still true except he's he's wanting to know that the person he's going to be living with 
is going to have some appreciation for the things that he had. It's that it's a question of almost legacy or like carrying on what you carrying on a life cut short. Um, I think is 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 part of what he's grappling with in in coming to Caroline and wanting to meet her. He wants to know if what sort of a person she is. Can she like the things that I liked? He shares music with her. He shares poetry with her. And they share this like interaction with each other. So part of it, I think, still is uh, Anthony's spirit trying to figure out all of those things that he would have wanted prior to <laughs> prior to dying. And he's there for this... It, it seems to me that he's also there to offer Caroline something. And it has something to do with her perception of her own life in regards to her illness. And one of the things that happens to Caroline over the course of the play is through the poetry of Walt Whitman, through the attention and uh, uh, kindness and sort of like lack of pity that, that Anthony offers her, she begins to change her own sense of herself in relationship to her illness. And it seems like, if, given what we know about the whole play, Get offering her that, especially as she's about to be well in some ways, is an important goal of Anthony's spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. To yeah, to kind of uh, put those building blocks in place for her going forward. I, th- I think also for 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 Caroline then too, you have a really interesting and, and and for this you almost have to get into like into like brain science or something. This is such a cool play. Um, so, so like if you think about Caroline, Caroline received news. So real timeline, Caroline, she, uh, received news that she was going to be able to get a liver transplant a couple hours ago. She went into surgery, she went under and her mind is processing that fact. Right. So she's having this interaction. Part of part of the, the, the magic or the spiritualness of this interaction is also Caroline is trying to figure out if this is this is going to work. If 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 she can live with having part of Anthony Anthony's liver in 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 her for the rest of her life as well. So there's also that as well. She's she's in there processing this interaction between the two of them coming out of being alone for so long um and into a space where she is not alone anymore. Right. And in this the, in, in the in the framework of the the play in the world of the play that we live in it is this project that helps to teach caroline something about the relationships with other humans i mean it, it it's no accident obviously that the moment before anthony reveals what's really going on is Caroline giving this presentation. He's he's taping her for the ostensibly the presentation that she's going to give to her high school class via video that is the culmination of all their work on this poem over the past however many hours. And her part of the presentation is to talk about the different ways that Walt Whitman uses pronouns over the course of his poetry. And this is how that presentation ends. I'm just going to read you the last little bit of it. Um Because somewhere, even unseen, unnamed, we wait for each other. Because together we are, to quote page 30, deathless. Because you is very much we. Hmm. That is something that's not, uh, you know, she quotes Whitman's poetry, but that beautiful poetic language is Caroline's language. She is saying that. And that is not something that the Caroline from the beginning of the play would have said. Yeah. No, no, no. If you yeah, that's the journey that she goes on <laughs> for for this play is is the the identifying with that the the weeness of of the poem. And 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 that's that's kind of where the title of the play comes comes in, in into the play is the I and you. The project that they're working on are the pronouns of Walt Whitman and the difference between I, you and we. And then just prior to her giving that presentation, Anthony and Caroline have this 
fairly intense exchange um, that is sort of kicked off because of the uh, Anthony being sort of uncomfortable with Caroline's cavalier attitude about her own impending death. And her argument is, I have to treat the this what I'm experiencing with some lightness and some humor and some chutzpah, some, you know, you're not going to beat me kind of attitude uh, in order just to process everything that's happening to me. And this is just a short little monologue from Anthony right in the middle of that intense discussion. And to me, if you're playing Anthony as the actor, somewhere in here I think you've got to take out why Anthony is doing this. This is what he's trying to tell her. You can't keep playing, I'm going to swear, you can't keep playing shit off like you don't care. You do. You care about your art and your cat and a ton of shit. So why do you say that? Why do you say that and push people away and piss people off when I know you don't want to die? You don't. You do not want that. Caroline, after a few lines of back and forth, responds, because I've lived with that son of a bitch all my life and it doesn't win until I let it. Anthony responds, exactly. You stare that shit down. You don't give up. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, I mean, that's, that's what they're, that's what she's, she's playing with. That's what he's playing with. And that's what they're trying to like get out of each other and, and, and try to feel out of each other. Now that... There, there's all these questions that are arisen by the metaphysical nature of the character of Anthony that go a little bit unexplained and probably are what a lot of people – kinds of things people are going to talk about after having seen this show. For example, so it, it seems like we both agree that Anthony is there because he wants to offer something to Caroline or, or wants to change the direction of how Caroline thinks about herself and her illness because she's going to live now or, or something like that. Right. So – is that something that the character, the spirit of Anthony, figures out that he needs to do after having met her at the beginning of the play? So his goal <laughs> is sort of developed over the course of the script. Or does ghost spirit Anthony, who I don't think has ever met Caroline in, in the real world, um, does he know that she's got this... I don't want to say that she's like got this problem, but does does he know that <laughs> she does he know what he's going to do right prior to the beginning of the play? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that, that I mean, certainly that's an interesting question, and there's tons of interesting questions that suss their way out of out of this play. I I am I am a fan of the these two people wound up in the same room, <laughs> and 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 have to try to figure each other out. Because I also don't, I, I, I don't think Anthony like swoops in and is teaching like like almost godlike Deus Machina teaching something fully at the beginning of the play. I don't think he's sent. Um, he's he he's arrived, and and but and she's he arrived. He has arrived based on a situation that I have to imagine <laughs> he's made up. I mean, I, it's not like the the framework of the the world of the play is like um, Anthony has just accidentally shown up at her house and is stuck there until his mom could come pick him up or something. I mean, he has created a situation, this poetry homework project that in the world of the play, he wanted to do with her. And so right. he showed up to do something with her. And he is there based on his own desire to be there, at least in uh-huh. the world of the play. But it's base. It's I mean, it's 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 the the precursor to that is him dying and being taken to her. Well, right, so. right, right, right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, I truly, I don't know what to make of that. I, it, uh, yeah, it, yeah. It's a very interesting, and I, I don't know. I mean, if you're the actor playing Anthony, there's a lot of very interesting questions about. What kind of knowledge does a spirit or a representation of a liver have about right. this person that he's meeting? They do. I mean, like we've said a couple of times, it does appear to be a low context relationship. So it's, it doesn't seem like he has all this supernatural knowledge of who she is. Right. It does seem like he learns that as he goes. 
Um, mm-hmm. And and I I I do think that it's it's a reasonable, um, it, it's a reasonable interpretation that his goal at the beginning of the play and what he ends up accomplishing and the two of them accomplishing together are different. Uh, you know, he, yeah. it, it, I think it is possible that his spirit just wanted to meet the person who he's going to be sharing a body with for the rest of, of their lives. Um, mm-hmm. And then in the process of that conversation, he wants to offer some wisdom that he's captured having actually died to someone right. who is facing imminent death. He wants at, at, at one of the one of the kind of beautiful trackings of the conversation is um, that he's that Anthony is on Team Caroline, even when Team Caroline or Caroline doesn't want to be on Team Caroline. Yeah, she so, says something so, <laughs> great like Team Caroline never wins the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. Th- I, I I think I hear what you're what you're talking about with Anthony. I think he he certainly brings in a lot of the impetus of it. I think as far as I do think that is if he if he He's creating the situation, though. Caroline is creating the space in which the situation is happening. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I like the idea that Caroline is also a an impetus in this, in this, in this play, and like, though she, she is the one who does a lot of growth and uh, in the play and is uh, helped a lot by Anthony. Um, she is, she's made the room. She's she's set up this the 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 area for them to have this conversation and and the the way that Caroline has to let go of and push against some of her own ways of pushing against other people um, is 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 one that she chooses is a journey that she chooses as well how she she decides to to allow this situation to occur. I agree, and while it's a little bit muddy how the character of Anthony knows the character of Caroline and and what he's truly trying to get as he comes in there because he's like this spiritual after death character the the character the 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 character of Caroline is a lot more clear and her yeah. journey becomes a lot more clear we know what happens to her over the course of the play I'm not sure I know exactly what happens to Anthony over the course of the play, <laughs> but I definitely yeah. know that for Caroline. And what's interesting is that I also I also feel pretty good about knowing what Caroline offers back to Anthony. I mean, this is not, I don't think, although it sounds a little bit like that as we discussed it, like a damsel in distress play where like no, this, yeah. this guy comes in to change her life before, you know, to, to it's not like the Christmas Carol either, right? Where these like mysterious ghosts appear and change Ebenezer Scrooge forever. This is a right. give and take relationship. And Caroline gives something back to Anthony, helps him to process something too. The way he deals with, as he describes in third person, because he's he's lying, the death of the student on the basketball course, his own death, the way he deals with that early in the play and the way he deals with it at the end of the play are drastically different. And I can only yeah. imagine that it is meeting Caroline and and her sense of herself, her sense of the poetry, uh, the what the things that they negotiate that makes that change in him. Right, because you 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 uh, through there talking about the poetry, Anthony is focused on the like deathlessness, the ongoingness of Whitman, and um, Caroline is focused on on the deathiness, <laughs> on being okay with with uh, the the death and the, the the fact that he's writing from his deathbed at one point comes up, or, or rewriting from his deathbed uh, comes up, and and so that I I agree is part of what she gives back is both the sense that that uh, we could have been friends and and thus I'm able to carry on some of what you left undone, but also the the peace not not the peace the like. Um, the vigor to look death in the face and to be at peace with it. And and both of them gain this sense of, of community and relationship um, as, as being as important as it is. I mean, Anthony is a character that seems to have a lot of friends. He's dated several girls that he mentions over the course of the show. He's not quite the... Um, 
the I'll just say social outcast that Caroline is. And and of course, he's a strapping young teenage boy. He's got everything ahead of him. And Caroline is trapped in her bedroom by an illness. So their they're given circumstances cause this to be the realities for them. But what Caroline learns, I think, is, is the value of of pursuing those relationships, not walling herself off. And that's an important thing for Caroline to learn. And Anthony, you described, you know, at the beginning of the play and through the course of the middle, he's interested in this sort of idea of deathlessness in relationship to the self. And then that that quote that I read of Caroline's from her project is very much about how the self is the community, right? We, yeah. we live on in the people around us. And for a teenage boy who's just died and doesn't have a self anymore, the idea that we live on in the people around us, I think, is an important concept that he grasps at towards the end of the show. Yeah, that he needs to to be able to to be at rest at last and to kind of let this let this go. Um, and 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 he does. You know, the end of the play is is Anthony gone and Caroline alone, um, waking waking up to her mother's voice. So so that is that is certainly the journey of of him kind of viscerally holding on to all the trappings of his life before. Right? He's working on projects. He's talking about sports. He's talking about relationships. He's talking about the music that he likes. And one by one, he's giving them to Caroline. Who who gives back to him the ability for him to walk walk away to go into the dark? Yeah, well, well there's there's lots more metaphysical, interesting, thematic conversation to have. But I, I truly, I think one of the really incredible features of this play is the way the dialogue is written. The, Absolutely, the voices, the just incredible, specific. Uh, very funny, very high personality voices that Lauren Gunderson has given these two people. Yeah, absolutely. We've been talking about, I feel like we've, the, the play stirs up so much of the after conversation and, and there's so much of that, but the vast majority of the enjoyment of the play itself is in just these two talking back and forth to each other. Um, just over and over, Caroline proves to be this person who will who will not be daunted <laughs> and who will not be uh, 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 not have things changed on on for her and doesn't want pity either. She's she's just this like force that um, that really just the poetry gets to. It seems like the the poetry and the and the uh, relationship between the two building is what begins to change some of that behavior as she grows to trust both Anthony and the poetry more. And the the poetry is such an important part of the play because it contrasts so incredibly the, the almost um, dialect like like. That 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 yeah. that Gunderson has written the teenage characters in. I mean, it, it's not a dialect in any serious official sense, but she has written somehow teenager on the page <laughs> in a really beautiful way. And and the way that these characters talk is so specific and unique and so in contrast to the highbrow Whitman quotes that they use throughout a play. I mean, just listen to this exchange of lines and listen to the way these characters talk. Caroline, all right, it just happened. I kind of like this guy. And I kind of like this guy is all one word, no spaces. And if you do the pronoun I and take my presentation on you, then we'll have everything covered and totally win this project. Anthony, oh, we will, will we? Caroline, oh my God, yes, you were right, all together. No gloating. Anthony, I'm not gloating. I'm just glad we agree that he's a badass. Caroline, he is a badass. Walter Whitman, national badass. <laughs> That's just such great dialogue and such yeah. great it's so casual. It's so sarcastic and high personality in contrast to the very serious thematic conversations that they're having and the very serious, very highbrow Whitman poetry that they quote throughout. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting to see how it's written into the play script. In, in this version, every, every once in a while, we like to bring up how things are actually written in the play. And and this employs, as as Jacob uh, mentioned in his reading, it's all like four words are combined into one word and run on quickly. The playwright uses a, a, varieties, a variety of capitalizations, italics and bolding to uh, communicate the pace 
of 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 teenage dialect. Yeah, and, <laughs> and like it's the intensity. I, I mean, I am interested in this, Jackson, how you felt about it because in the in the notes about the dialogue at the beginning, she does give. Um, some very specific instructions that she uses throughout the whole of the play. And they relate to the way, as you just said, the dialogue is, she uses the word intensity. And it's that there's normal text, there's text with uh, exclamation points, there's italicized text, there's capitalized text, and there's capital italics text. And they all communicate different levels of intensity. And she uses all five of those throughout the course of the script. And it it feels a little bit overreaching to me <laughs> from the playwright. It makes a great reading experience. Um, it does make that, yeah. And that, that helps a lot because we don't have actors to communicate that. But if you had actors who are going to be making decisions about their dialogue, it, it does feel a little bit overreaching to give like five levels of intensity and prescribe how intense every line is. Sure, sure. That that that's true. Um, <laughs> the, the comment is sustained. How, yeah. However, um, I if and I need to. I would want to reread it one more time. I think the high value of it was that I think that highest level of intensity is only used once in the play. Um, and I, and I could be wrong, but I believe yeah, I, I it don't is, think you're right about that. I'm pretty sure I'm right. Uh, <laughs> um, I think Caroline gets there a lot, and but and one value that I do think it has though is that it it does help to give you a sense of the fact that these characters don't have like a consistent intensity level. You know what I mean? And maybe that sounds obvious, but. In the course of an hour and a half, they really range all over the place, and it helps you understand these two characters. They are characters that are intense about what they say and how they say it. Like I've said so many times, they're high personality characters, and giving that prescription of various levels of intensity throughout helps you to get a sense of how their personality shifts up and down and up and down and up and down through the whole of this conversation. Really gives the conversation a sense of roller coaster esque journey. It's true, yeah, yeah, no, and 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 makes the actors consider that variation in in intensity, and I still think I'm right. Um, the only <laughs> <laughs> cannot confirm at this moment, <laughs> but it 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 does highlight the the uh, explosion of her saying, "I'm not going to let the disease." The the line that you read earlier, "I'm not going to let the disease." Uh, do anything until I say it can. I'm just paraphrasing the line off the top of my head. So so it leaves room, despite the fact that she especially, um, but both of them become very intense throughout the play, that there is a hot that there is still another level that there, that, that that is saving for 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 when when the moment comes. And that's that's the 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 climactic statement of of her character. And also Anthony's character who is yelling the question at her at the same intensity. Yeah, I think that's probably just about the end of the time that we've got. I, I want to read one more quote from the play because I think it's so crucial to this conversation that we've been having about what these characters offer each other. And and this is one way I think that Caroline gives something really important to Anthony or Anthony's spirit. And, and we won't I don't think we have a lot of time to reflect on it, but it I think it I think it speaks for itself. Um, Anthony has already described this student that he saw die. Again, that's not quite true. It's actually himself. Um, And he's very upset about it. And they're talking now again about the poetry. And Anthony is saying that the best part of the whole poem is this line, I know I am deathless. And Caroline goes on to say, you know, how she knows he's so upset and he's trying to leave. And Caroline finally says this. Well, if it's all about death and dying and all the shit you're afraid of, then you may want you met then I'm sorry, then all the shit that you're afraid of, then you might want me and my expert opinion on the matter. Because my whole conscious life I have been like prepared to die, or thinking about it, or planning for it, or staring it back in its asshole eyes, because if I didn't, I'd just quit. So it's not this weird, awful, evil thing. It's just a thing that happens every day. Get over it. The, the different perspectives that these two characters have on death, and that's where we started our conversation, right, is that, that one of the things that happens in these plays, these two teenagers have to confront death in Whitman's yeah. poetry. 
that they just bring such differing worlds of their experience of death that come clashing together and they negotiate back and forth and wrestle over it. it that, that's a really in- incredible piece. Absolutely. And there's so many incredible pieces in this play. So many other scenes, so many rich moments, so many like just just great, great dialogue back and forth. What is what a play for scenes for young actors. So if you uh, read this play, see this play, have the chance to to engage this play in any way and are looking for a way to talk to someone about it with someone else who has read the script or seen the play. Find us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter, and we'd love to continue having the conversation about you or I. I and you with you out there out in the world. You can find us on all those social media sites at the username at NoScript Podcast. We also have a Gmail, noscriptpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on any of those places. We'd love to keep talking about this play with you. Absolutely. And if you would please consider recommending the podcast to your family and friends, that's a huge help for us. You can send them to Podbean, where we're hosted, also to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. We're on all those places. And really the easiest way to connect with us is just to like our page on Facebook, and that's where you'll get an update every week about what play is coming up, as well as every Monday, a link to the new episode appears on our Facebook wall, and you can just click it and listen straight from there. We are excited about Monologue Month coming up. One more script before we head into October and Monologue Month. Yeah, yeah. Get excited for it. Start looking ahead to that. But until next week when we're talking about another play, I am Jackson Nikolai. I am Jacob Mann Christensen. Thanks for joining us for No Script. We'll see you.